0: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the new Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by Zach Christensen, who is publisher of Spectator USA, and Paul Wood from the BBC, a regular on the Americano podcast. And we're going to be talking about the midterm elections and the fallout. First of all, before we actually before we get started on the midterms, I thought perhaps we'd just ask a little bit about Jeff Sessions who has been forced out today. That's quite dramatic news, is it not? And it relates to the Mueller inquiry, which you've been following very closely, Paul.
1: Uh, Well, he resigned at the request of the President, as you say. This had been telegraphed well in advance. I think President Trump had tweeted about half a dozen times that really Sessions wasn't up to much and had to go. Trump feeling personally betrayed that Sessions recused himself, took him out of the game insofar as he might be able to influence the Mueller inquiry. And Trump really had no use for him. He personally humiliated Sessions many times, calling into question his abilities, ridiculing him in front of other people, ridiculing him on Twitter. And for a proud man such as Senator J. Beauregard Sessions, I imagine all oh, that was pretty difficult. And perhaps there's something of a relief in resigning now. Of course, matters because of what will happen now with Mueller. The man in the chain of command now, acting Attorney General, former Chief of Staff, And he has previously, it has been noted in an op-ed, criticised Muller and said that if he was going to stray into Trump's business affairs, that would be a red line, echoing language the president himself has used. So what next? I am guessing now, but I think it would be rash, tactically foolish of President Trump simply to order his attorney general to fire Muller. But an attorney general can restrict lines of inquiries, can cut budget, can make all sorts of problems for the Mueller inquiry. I think just firing him would inflame the Democrats, but maybe something a step short of that might be done.
0: But I mean, could it be a reflection of a sense among within the Trump administration that Mueller, who was not allowed, legally not allowed, to affect the midterm results by producing anything or, or filing anything against Trump, now has a, a flood of information coming and they want to be. As, as sort of tooled up against that as possible?
1: Well, all sorts of rumours are flying around. This is a, a very febrile atmosphere that we're in. You should always say, when, when people say to you, well, a source close to Mueller told me this investigation has not leaked. So when I'm about to tell you that a source close to Muller tells me there are 100 indictments ready to go, and one of them is Jared Kushner, the president's, president's son-in-law, that could be real information or it could be the usual rumour masquerading Donald Trump Jr
0: for perjury.
1: Really we don't know but certainly the conversation in this town is about a flood of indictments and Muller as you say couldn't really do anything um, without contravening Justice Department guidelines in the run-up to the election. Presumably he has a backlog of things he's ready to go. question is how close does that come to the President? Is it his son? Is it his son-in-law? Is it something that threatens him? And don't forget that there are inquiries going on outside the Mueller process. Some time ago, the state's attorney general and prosecutor in New York were looking at whether some of the Trump children might be in trouble for mis-selling apartments. Mm. That didn't go anywhere, but maybe it's been revived. There's, There's all sorts of ways that Mueller himself has pushed out aspects of his inquiry. Michael Cohen, the president's former personal lawyer, for instance, is being dealt with by federal prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. He's talking to Mueller, uh, and we can only guess about whether that is on the issue of Russia, but the things that he's, been, he's going to be sentenced for are outside of Mueller's purview.
0: Let's move to the midterms but keep it on Mueller in the way because obviously one of the big talking points now is that now that the Democrats have controlled the House of Representatives they will be able to cause Trump lots of problems they will be able to kind of dog him not just with Mueller but with his tax affairs and, and, and essentially make his life a misery in the next two years and scupper his presidency, turn him into a sort of lame duck That seems to me exaggerated, especially since... Trump has the Senate. Am
2: I wrong? Well, I, I think just because you have the Senate, all, all that means is that he he won't be removed once mm. he's impeached. And so I guess they sort of have free reign. I don't know how to say free reign, but they have the votes that they need to, to move towards impeachment. Uh, whether or not they will, you know, who knows. But as you said, you know, they have the power of subpoena. They have uh, the power over a lot of budgets, and they have the power to investigate a lot of different things. And so I think you and I were talking about this last night during the midterm or during the elections. You know, is this going to make... Washington more polarized or less polarized. And I think it's obvious that it's going to make it so many Republicans from red-leaning suburban districts going down. And you're essentially seeing, I think, the final tr- takeover of the GOP by Trump. Mm. And I think it's going to lead to a lot more polarization and a lot more of what we've just been talking about.
0: But it's interesting about polarization because there's, there's a bit of speculation that Trump will be able to forge new alliances through his sort of economic populism. With the left of the Democratic Party, you know there, there's people on the left of the Democratic Party who would probably like tariffs if it wasn't for the fact it was coming from Trump, or who would like, you know, just the general sort of mood against globalization that comes from the Trump administration. Do you think that's something that's possible, mm-hmm. or, or will it fall down because of Trump being Trump?
2: I think it's certainly possible. Do I think it's likely? I, I'm not so sure. You know, do Democrats want to give Trump those wins two years before he's up for election? Certainly, I think that the election of Trump and the Trump economic policies have shown that Republicans aren't necessarily conservatives. Uh, conservatives; these Republican Republicans tend to like a lot of liberal policies, a lot of a lot of policies that uh, the Democrats champion. They just don't like Democrats, mm-hmm. and so I think that you know I think that we're going to see. I, you know, I, I think that I think that, that we'll put that to the test. But I, I think it's probably unlikely, given that I don't think Democrats want to be seen working with Trump. You know, as he's gearing up for his re-election right now. And, and talking of gearing up for the re-election,
0: do, I mean, Paul, you first. What do you think, Trump? I mean, if you look at Clinton's thrashing in '92, was it, and then Obama in 2010, do you think now Trump is in a stronger position than they are because of the fact he hasn't had this shellacking that everybody expected?
1: Well you're right. The campaign for 2020 started today. One political consultant who's been around the block a few times said look at Pennsylvania. Republicans did very badly there. Trump squeaked through and really to win the presidency you need Pennsylvania. Trump squeaked through with I think 44,000 votes or 0.7 of a percent in 2016 and on the basis of last night things look very bad for him. So shellacking or not Nobody should assume he has a clear run in 2020, if indeed he wants to run. And I was talking to an old friend of his. I don't know if Mr. Trump really has friends, but somebody who's known him for 40 years and said, you know, he doesn't like being president. He likes the adulation. He likes going around to make America great rallies. But honestly, he could do that as a post president. He doesn't like the governing. He's actually quite sensitive to criticism. He doesn't like the fact that half the nation hates his guts. And really, he may just say, you know, good luck, Mike Pence. I'm after the golf course. That, I think that may
0: be true but then I sometimes also think I think people who are close to Trumbull or know him get into this sort of hero talk about him and part of the heroic talk about him is look he hates it but he's just you know he's fighting on because he believes in what he's doing he loves this country so much even though he despises the actual role of it. Do you think there's a danger that that's what people are doing?
1: Yes but we're speculating about a man's motives. He does wear his heart on his sleeve. Another aspect of his personality is the pathological win to be biggest, best, first. You know, he was talking about his tax returns today and even his law firm had to be the biggest and best and his accountancy firm had to be the most respected. Mm. Quite hard for somebody with that psychological makeup to actually walk away and have people laugh at you and say, you know, you choked, a phrase that Mr Trump uses about his opponents.
0: And Zach, talking about Pennsylvania, the point that you're quite big on I think is that the republicans can't really win if they essentially give up on suburban aspirational should we call them college educated
2: yeah i think that's what I, I think that that was that's what we saw last night is is you know so many suburban red districts falling blue and 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 those are sort of in affluent suburbs of major metropolitan areas full of college educated women obviously college educated men as well and i think that's certainly the story that You know, Trump really has a suburban problem. And, you know, the, I said this earlier that, you know, really the the GOP is becoming Trump's party because so many of these people who have, who, who lost last night were not necessarily, you know, these are sort of establishment Republicans who were never really a part of Trumpism, I guess. So I think that they're going to have some serious problems moving forward, especially in some of these states where he won, put him in, it put him in office, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, mm-hmm. Ohio. But I think a lot of these suburban voters who have been, reliably Republican voters are, are, are starting to, to sour a bit. And, and these are the states that you know that he carried and put him in into the uh, into the White House, but he carried them by you know twenty thousand, fifty thousand, eighty thousand votes. And so you know if the next if in twenty twenty the Democrat can turn out a few extra votes more than Hillary, I think they're going to have serious problems.
0: But I could see that re- I could see that suburban Republicans would be sort of put off Trump as a, as a brand and as a person, and things. But I thought that there might have been more, and it didn't show last night. But I thought there might be more people who. Because as much as people, the Democrats try to write off the tax cut as just a, a benefit for the rich, there were a lot of mi- middle-income Americans who who got some some immediate benefits from it. I know there they they were counterbalances to that. But I'm surprised
2: that you know the the, the the tax bill actually didn't hasn't seemed to help him so much with those people. Well, I mean, the exit polling was nobody mentioned the tax cuts at all, really, yeah. right? And it was I think that you're seeing a lot of a lot of these voters that we're talking about, especially college educated women, are really just souring on you know the rhetoric and yeah. uh, the attitude and um, the way that he talks about people, the way that he talks about you know talks to to, to reporters and, and the way that he characterizes voters and, and things like that. So I think that. That as we saw, the tax cuts really didn't have anything to do with, what, with the way the, the reasons that people were voting last night. I think that this really was sort of a referendum on how f- people felt about Trump. And and given that, do you think that he can't win in twenty twenty? No, I, I mean I think that he can certainly win. Mm. Especially, I, I think it's really going it, to. It's obviously. We don't know what what 2020 is going to look like. We don't know what's going to happen in the next two years. We don't know who the Democrats are going to put up. You know, there could be an extremely far left-wing candidate. There could be, you know, any number of scandals that happen over the course of over the next two years. So we really don't know. But I certainly don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he gets reelected. Sure. I mean, my hunch is that he could easily do it if the economy
0: keeps going at such a sort of gangbuster rate. But the chances of that happening are probably pretty low, aren't they, Paul? So, I mean, if the economy's not with him, then... All he's got is immigration, which has been very effective, but isn't everything,
1: right? Yeah, we've certainly had months and months of straight economic good news. And if you think the atmosphere is sour now, wait till the economy takes a nosedive and then people are really unhappy. The interesting factor for me in all this is Trump's personality. He kind of bulldozed his way through the primaries with this enormous force of personality and not much else. And you could see him today, this coiled sort of ball of rage, taking on reporters in the White House having a stand-up shouting match with Jim Acosta of CNN he is certainly feeling the pressure but I don't think you should you should write him off and he has managed to confound everybody's expectations and everybody's predictions and all the conventional political wisdom and talking about external factors like the economy I think works with any other candidate not with Trump.
0: Yes well and and the two big culture war points that he sort of hammers down on our immigration and the media and the Truth is, I think that people hate the media almost as much as Trump, and unfortunately for us, and yeah, also and also people are people are to the right of where sort of the acceptable political conversation is on immigration. That's that's I think he, he wins on both those
1: issues. Yeah, I was, I was having lunch with a you know a prominent Democratic lawyer who'd been a reasonably senior official in the Obama administration. He was like the the problem the. But the voters is that 25 of them were just stupid, and we can't get around that problem. <laughs> well, yes, you know, people have spoken. Fuck them. I mean, yeah. kind of, and
0: without uh, so that's, yeah, sure. that's fine. <laughs> Courage it gives us a bit of edge.
1: And Zach, what about
0: the Democrats? I mean, you know, obviously it wasn't a great night for them.
2: I mean, I, I think that they were certainly expecting better, right? Uh, you know, obviously they won. They won the house back, uh, and but I think that if you look at you know, the money spent, the enthusiasm they had, you know, really sort of the 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 cheerleading that was going on. I think that looking at the results, it's kind of a poor showing, especially when you look at the real stars that everyone was hanging there, you know, expecting so much from, you know, Gillum, Beto you O'Rourke, know, Beto O'Rourke yeah. you know, in uh, Stacey Abrams in, in, in Georgia, and every single one of their their big stars that they were kind of hanging their, uh, their, uh, their hopes on lost. Mm. And, you know, I think that that's got to be disappointing for them, uh, given the enthusiasm they had and the, and the money that they threw into this, and really, you know, kind of all out in, in, in the midterms.
1: Does anybody think Better O'Rourke can launch a presidential run off not winning the Senate in Texas? Well, I mean, he got, got a lot closer than he yeah. got a
2: lot closer than the polls thought. Right? I think he's a front runner right now yeah. for for 2020. I think this is this is a ridiculous comparison, but looking back in history, I think that I saw that the last person. To lose a Senate race and two years later become president was Abraham Lincoln, and which is sort of ridiculous—a ridiculous comparison. But it's yes, but it's but it's possible. It's certainly possible. Well,
0: like I heard that he spent something like was it seventy million? Yeah, I believe it's 70, seventy million dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, If yeah. Apparently, seven hundred of that. No. He's got, and he's he's got it himself. Yeah, as as spectators, Coburn found out. So I think we'll wrap it up there, but thank you very much both for talking to the Americano podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and you can also subscribe to the magazine through our special podcast offer, which is on www.spectators.co.uk forward slash pod offer. And we'll even throw in a Spectator moleskin notebook for people who take up that offer.